World Singers! I'm Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Conversations. a fantastic episode for you today about one of the most interesting characters in the Cosmere and one of the most important characters to understand the Cosmere. Yeah, definitely. We gave kind of a brief introduction to him last time and we are gonna really get into the character of Hoyd, or should I say the character known as Hoyd (laughs) today. Many different names for Mr. Hoyd, uh, but true world singers will know that Hoyd is a crossover character that exists in every single book in the Cosmere universe. Most of the time, this is as a very uh, small kind of background character, um, and occasionally in things like the Stormlight Archive. A much bigger character. Yeah, Yeah. and and one who um, even has his own little epilogue at the end of uh, yeah yeah, yeah. oh man that's so good but i feel like as sort of a baby cosmere reader hoyt is like one of the first hints that you get that there's more happening like beyond the books like he's like your first introduction to the cosmere as such i feel like absolutely he knows what is going on with the Cosmere, one of the most knowledgeable characters in the universe. Um, And probably, I mean, there might be more knowledgeable characters out there, um, but I think from the reader's perspective, he is the most knowledgeable. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think there's anyone that we would classify as more in the know than Hoyd. Yeah. So when... Because he also, yeah. sorry, this is might be running ahead a little bit too far, but... Um, <laughs> Run right away. Yeah. Um, I think we have a word of Brandon that he is the second oldest character in the Cosmere. So in terms of, like, knowledge, yeah. like He's, been, he's been there the whole time. <laughs> and that is, uh, well, we'll talk about um, the powers or, or the abilities of Hoyd. And one of them is hinted at that um, long-lasting life and the ability to heal uh, from injuries is going to make him one of the oldest characters in the Cosmere. So let's go. Let's let's start talking about uh, Mr. Hoyd because he's in everything. So you want to start with kind of what um, his different... Yeah. Appearances are? Yeah, let's talk about where you can find Hoyd. So, again, if you are sort of a intro reader to the Cosmere listening to this podcast, this is where you can find him. Absolutely. Uh, and we're just going to go book by book. There, yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of add little things here and there, but starting with the earliest book, Elantris, Hoyd has a very small uh, role as a beggar Mm -hmm. and the beggar role is going to be one that hoyd adopts more than once basically every beggar i see now i'm like is Is that that hoyd Hoyd? yeah (laughs) exactly because he's a beggar just all the time (laughs) it does seem like he's a beggar quite often and elantris is the first time that we see hoyd as a beggar 
Now, what's interesting to note about Elantris and what some people may actually be unaware of is that Elantris had, would you say it's a rewrite or just an yeah. additional kind of chapter added It's like in? a weird thing because Elantris was one of the first mm-hmm. um, Cosmere books that Brandon Sanderson put out. And so it has gone through a few different iterations as Brandon has grown in, you know, his writing skills and things like that. Like, I know um, the initial version, the map wasn't what he wanted to be. It didn't really work for the way he's trying to work it into the magic system. Mm -hmm. So they redid the map. Um, There's a version of Elantris in which there is... I believe it's like an epilogue kind of thing where we see Hoyd diving into the shard pool, attempting to become an Elantrian, but it doesn't work. And he comes out and he's like, dang it. Like, I tried, but like, guess that's not going to work. So if you were a reader early on of Brandon's work and you uh, were not aware of this little epilogue or kind of additional Hoyd chapter... In the original Elantris, he appears as a beggar, and it's really just a one-off. I don't even know if they mention him by name uh, in the original. Yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't... It's not significant, because the significant aspect is that Hoyd tries to become an Elantrian, and it doesn't work out. And that's something that we're going to see throughout all of the Cosmere novels, is that Hoyd is almost like collecting powers of different types of investiture from around the Cosmere. Collecting is probably the wrong word. He, he's becoming uh, invested in all the different ways by all the different shards. Yeah, it does he not has work out a crazy number of powers, powers which we'll go into. <laughs> yeah, so what is the next appearance of Hoyd? So if we want to stay on the same world mm-hmm. of uh cell where elantris is we also have the emperor's soul um which is one of those short stories and hoyd appears well he doesn't really appear but you hear tell of him uh as the imperial fool who betrays shy and is like the whole impetus behind the story like the whole reason she's even in prison like doing this job is because hoyd like ratted her out <laughs> yeah and so we kind of get this impression that Hoyd is not necessarily the villain, but certainly not helping out our main character in the Emperor's Soul. I mean, I feel from like... From the character's perspective. Sure, yeah, from the character's perspective. She's, like, pissed at him. Like, I think even, like, when she escapes eventually, like, yeah. one of the last things she says is, I'm gonna go find that Imperial Fool and, like, yeah, teach pay him back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, from a reader's perspective, in in the broader Cosmere, it's possible that what Hoyd was doing there by uh, making sure that Shy, mm-hmm. yeah, Shy is captured, is that it kind of sets her down the path to do something important. Right. It's like one of those things, like, we talk about God, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you could look at this as, like, a terrible thing, but, like, mm-hmm. you know maybe this is the thing that you are like meant to do all your life and she does kind of have that perspective of like this is an incredible task that I'm doing that no one has attempted to do before you know it kind of like brings her into her own so you know 
Absolutely. So Hoyt is playing at a bigger game than just making sure that like everyone is happy around him or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think just like Hoyt's identity as, you know, one of the oldest people in the Cosmere, I don't think he's capable of playing small. The next time that we see Hoyd, or and we're going to jump planets here, from Cell to Scadrial in the Mistborn Era 1 series. Now, there's three books in Era 1, uh, and then obviously three current books in Era 2 released with a plan for one more in Era 2. And Hoyd uh, has appearances in almost every single one of them. We see him also in Mistborn's Secret History, so a bunch of stuff to kind of go through on the planet Scadrial. Let's start with, once again, him appearing in, I believe, book one and two as a informant. In Mistborn? Mistborn Era 1, books one and two. Uh, So the final empire and well of ascension we have Hoyt appearing as a beggar Mm -hmm. and also an informant Mm -hmm. to Kelsier. But it's really in Mistborn Book 3, Era 1, Book 3. See, that's why this is confusing. We should just call them Mistborn and then Alloy of Law. Thank you to the good friends over on the Reddit. This is dumb. Why do I want to say Mistborn Era 1, Book 1? Like, stupid. You can call them by their title as well. I believe calling them <laughs> eras is what the fans dumb. want. Thank I you, fans. I think it's stupid, and I am a fan, so. <laughs> Thank you, fans on the Reddit. We appreciate you supporting me. I very much <laughs> appreciate that. So, in Mistborn Era 1, Hero of Ages, book three, the <laughs> role of Hoyd expands quite uh, rapidly or, or radically when he becomes a impromptu leader. Yeah, I forget who like runs into them. Who's Someone's like on the road and they run into, you know, a group of terrorist people that have fled from the terrorist homeland. They're like refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the leader of that little group of terrorist refugees, we find out, is Hoyd. I could be wrong, but I think it's Ten Soon. I'm just going off my memory. Oh, it could be. Because he's running back and forth. Uh, oh, that's like right. Yeah, he it, has, like, this epic journey of, like, Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> but either as a dog or a horse with, like, multiple limbs. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Hoyd is leading the terrorist refugees yeah. down from their homeland to... Uh, safety as the world is ending Mm -hmm. and we know that eventually uh, when Harmony uh, kind of saves the world and and recreates the the world that we will see in Mistborn Era 2 one of the things that he does is he kind of protects either in caves or different regions he kind of uh, creates like a little vortex of protection around the people and then remakes the world around them so that then they come out of those little protective yeah exactly literal rebirth from the earth um anyway that's a tangent in Mistborn Secret History we see Hoyd as uh the person Kelsier calls Drifter so remember Mistborn Secret History is running parallel to all of the books in Mistborn so in Mistborn there's this part it's pretty small Vin is going to meet with an informant 
Um, and she's, like, hopping along, doing her allomancy, and she feels this weird, like, shadow presence kind of following her, and she's trying to lose it, but she can't, like, ever catch a glimpse of this thing that she feels. And then she just feels kind of weird, and she's like, mm, I'm not going to meet with this informant. And she leaves. She ditches the mission. It's literally, like, a paragraph or two. Yeah, it's not very long at all. But what we know because of Mistborn's secret <clears throat> history is that Hoyd rode in to the cognitive realm on the shoulders of a spirit or a soul. Yeah. He went through the well of ascension into the physical realm so that he could pick up a uh, a bead. What are those called? Bead of Laracium? Yeah. A bead of Laracium. While Kelsier is also stuck at the Well of Ascension. So Hoyd and Kelsier have this interaction at the Well of Ascension. Hoyd leaves, because he can do that. And then Kelsier escapes from the Well of Ascension, along with Ruin as well. Oops, my bad, Ben. Uh, But it's at the point when Kelsier is able to be free of the Well of Ascension, that he's following Vin, and Kelsier sees that the informant she's going to meet is Hoyd, who he only knows as Drifter. Right. So then we find out that one, informant is Hoyd, two, that sort of, like, shadow presence that Vin was feeling following her was Kelsier, trying to, like, scare her off. Exactly. And he succeeds. So I thought that was one of the most interesting or, like, cool parallels there it shows both kind of the role that hoyt is always playing uh and kelsier kind of adopts is that there's the story going on and then there's these other characters who are playing in the background the of their shadow own story, story exactly <laughs> exactly like in never mind i was gonna go off on a government tangent not important uh <laughs> I was going to say the shadow government of the English parliamentary system. It's, oh, yes, of course, of course. Everybody knows that. Okay, let's stay with our uh, fictional politics here. Um, when we get to Mistborn Era 2. Also known as Alloy of Law. Excellent. We see Hoyt again as? As a beggar. Hey, one of his that. favorite roles. I would say, like, beggar and then, like, imperial fool type character are his two, like, go-tos. Exactly. <laughs> And that actually tells us a little bit about Hoyt in my perspective is that he does fall into those two categories quite often, beggar and jester or fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really think that those roles are significant for kind of the same reason, which is that both a beggar and a fool are around but not often seen or cared about by the by the people so beggars are just kind of blending into the background the fool is a person who is able to be at all the fancy parties and interact with all the the fancy people but he's not treated the same or considered the same by those fancy light eyes or wherever he happens to be so I kind of see both of those roles as someone who 
can be around, but is not yeah. seen directly. They have, like, access to a lot of places, but they're not always in the limelight. Yeah, that's definitely true. I was also going to say those two types of characters have a unique ability to be able to speak their mind without being taken too seriously, which is important for his character, right? Because if he's trying to influence events, he needs to be able to say what he needs to say without arousing too much suspicion. So as a beggar, you know, people can just be like, oh, that's just a crazy beggar. Like, who cares what he's talking about? As a fool, he's able to say a lot of things and not get too much flack for it because that's his job, to, like, say crazy things. (laughs) Now, I think it's in... Mistborn era two, book three, Bands of Mourning, where the beggar has uh, an interaction with Wax. Yeah, and it's a very, like, very oh, significant. Man, so one. significant. Because in this moment when Wax and his lovely lady, Steris, are going to a fancy pants party, they come across. Hoyd as a beggar and Hoyd and Wax have a back and forth and then Hoyd throws a coin at Wax that really sets him down the path that is going to lead to all the events in that story and the coin itself we will find out is a medallion is a medallion from the southern people something with Nicrasil and I'm not sure about the other yeah, metal. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And it's not. It's not super. super yeah, it's not super significant. But it's it's a dual. It's a coin or a medallion with two metals, nicrasil and another type. We eventually find out that the people from the south are able to create these medallions to allow anyone the powers of certain Mistborn. I think that coin is actually a uh, copper mine, right? Yeah, you're you're totally right because it, it is significant. I lied. Uh, the <laughs> ability of a copper mind is to store memories, and Wax gets this coin from Hoyd, and then he taps in yeah. to the memory, and the memory it's itself a, is yeah, it's like a memory from I don't know if we know. Well, it's that weird thing where they call him the Lord Ruler, mm-hmm. but we. Think it might be Kelsier? Exactly. Um, so like Wax is calling it the Lord Ruler. He thinks he's living through a memory of the Lord Rulers. Um, and I think he he like arrives in Southern Scadrial and like yes. saves the world, sort of. Yes, or at least it's saves, super significant though. Sa- saves a, a group uh, of people. And I believe that while the play throughout the story is that it's the Lord Ruler who went down to these people of the South, and they think it's the Lord Ruler. Right. Because of the ending of Mistborn's secret history and the ending of Bands of Mourning, we actually know that it is Kelsier, or at least I'm pretty confident that the memory yeah, is Yeah, because I think even in the memory, like, he sees his arms, like, all scarred. So yes. that would make us think that it's, you know, the survivor of Hathsin. Yes. One of the other interesting things about that conversation between Wax and Beggar Hoyd is that Hoyd drops a hint uh, or, or just says outright 
that he owns the mansion oh, yeah. that Lax is about to go into with the big party. Yeah, because they're like, what are you doing here? Like, why is there a beggar at this fancy place? Like, he should have been, you know, scared off the ground. Yeah, and he's like, well, technically I own the place. And that always struck me as strange. I, I wasn't quite sure what he meant. Now, one of the things is that he could literally be an owner of many parts of the territory oh, yeah, of sure. Scadriel. Like, yeah. he, he's talked about uh, the mercantile system that exists between the yeah. different Cosmere worlds. So he could, you know, because he exists for a very long time, I'm not sure if you guys recognize this, but compound interest is a powerful force. <laughs> and Hoyt has all of eternity that we know of uh, <laughs> to make money. So he could literally have just bought up places in Scadriel that he found significant for Cosmere reasons. Sure. And he just wants to own, like, outright. My reading of it originally, though, gave me the impression that maybe he had, like, come to an agreement with Harmony, the the holder of both those shards. Oh, like, um, there's some cosmic deal where he sort of is the owner of Scadriel? Not Scadriel, because oh, obviously... Elendil? not Well, that's it's not in Eladel. It's in uh, New Saran. Oh. So it, that's the kind of up-and-coming city that's on the outskirts of the, the beautiful paradise that Harmony's created. Elendel is in the center, and obviously Harmony's going to be very focused on Elendel. But maybe it's possible that Hoyd was like, hey, you're real busy with that. I want I want this city over here for some reason. Hmm. Now, I don't... We don't have any knowledge know. about that. Yeah, I don't it, even know where to start all we know that. is that he said that he owned that mansion. Right. And... Well, we, he didn't say he owned the mansion. He said, I own the place. True, true. Just saying. We could... It's a different thing. We could find out um, some more because... Hoyd is supposed to be a more significant character in the Mistborn era three and four than he has been, like the beggar role. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. So let's... What else do we got? Yeah, let's look at the next spot with uh, Hoyd where he actually manifests and shows some of his powers. Yeah, in Warbreaker... He appears as the storyteller that comes to Ciri at the palace um, and tells her a historical story. But he does so with all of these, like, colored powders that, like, turn into shapes as he throws them into the air while he's storytelling. Um, And that is a similar thing that we see for his characters throughout. Like, we kind of see him storytell like that in Rashar, which we'll talk about yeah. And I think one of the really interesting things about him on um, Nalthus, yes, in Warbreaker, is that with Siri and Light Song, he plays much more of the, uh, what I call kind of like the upfront Hoid or like the real Hoid than a character. Uh, or a face that he's pointing on. Now, he even says later that Hoyt is also a face that he kind of puts on and it's not his real self. Uh, but the idea of Hoyt as the storyteller mm. is something that I feel is real significant to his yeah. deep character. 
Yeah, I would very much agree. And I think with that, can we just dive into his appearance appearances in Stormlight? Because that's um, where he's the most hoid. Yes, definitely. You, we see the most of Hoyd in Stormlight. Um, but in Stormlight, we see him as a world singer. Yes. All of you lovely little world singers out there. Um, who are storytellers that tell stories of other places. Um, other cultures. Yeah, exactly. Of, like, the people um, and other places and what their, you know, traditions are and histories and things like that. So uh, I think that's a perfect depiction of Hoyd's identity as a storyteller. Yeah, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but Hoyd is, we believe, one of the founding members of World Singers on Rashar. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely, if not, like, Cosmere-wide. Exactly. Yeah. So... On Rashar, Hoyd plays. We see him as so many different things. Everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he he's in Stormlight One, The Way of Kings, and Words of Radiance. He also makes an appearance uh, in Edge Dancer, I believe. Oh man, I know someone called us out on the Reddit because we haven't mentioned Edge Dancer yet, and that was like such a good call. So absolutely, thanks, man. We totally neglected that, and it's awesome. Edge Dancer uh, is, of course, referring to Lift, who's one of the interlude characters that we meet in the Stormlight Archive, and yeah. then gets her own book, and will become more important in the larger Stormlight Archive. Uh, well, I guess Edge Dancer qualifies as a novella, yeah. not a book. But Hoyt is everywhere in the Stormlight Archive. So he plays Wit. Wit Wit is the jester. Imperial fool. Or the imperial fool, absolutely. (laughs) For King Elokar. Yeah. And as the role of Wit, or the King's Wit, uh, he is tasked with insulting or putting down or otherwise making clever, funny comments uh, at the expense of many of the princes or other fancy light eyes. Yeah, so he says some good stuff there, and they're, like, always making comments about how he just, like, disappears and then, like, reappears. And that's... are like, where'd Wit go? I don't know, haven't seen him in a couple weeks, and then he just, like, shows up again. Very much kind of here and there. But as you said, like, his role as a Wit sort of gives him that freedom of being able to be there when he wants to, and, like, no one really cares when he's not there. It also hints at the kind of underlying ability of wit, which is said to be something akin to the fact that Hoyd is interested in moments that are worthy of stories, And there are occasionally times when he shows up on a planet or shows up at an event, nothing interesting that could, a a story could be told about that moment. And so he just like leaves. He's just like, no, this isn't, this isn't what I'm here for. And then just goes somewhere else. Now on Rashar, not only does he play Wit, this Imperial Fool character, he also has very significant interactions with both Dalinar and Kaladin. Do we want to talk about some of and those? And Shallan. And Shallan. Yeah. So all three of no, the big yeah, main I characters. No, yeah, I mean, I feel like you can pretty much assume that if anything important is going on or if there is any important character, Hoyd has probably interacted with them. 
Because as Tyler just said, like, that's what he does. He shows up where the important stuff is going on. And so he shows up, uh, well, he's, like, in the desert, right? Or on the Shattered Plains Mm -hmm. with uh, this little fire, like, playing his little flute when Kaladin goes out for a walk, like, contemplating serious things as Kaladin does. Thank you for the Kaladin voice. That was great. (laughs) Thank you. So Kaladin goes out to the Shattered Plains, sees Wit with this little flyer playing his flute, and Wit is once again going to tell a story to Kaladin. The first story that he tells is uh, Darithel and the Wandersail. Darithel and the Wandersail. The significance of the story is complicated. It's kind of upfront for what Kaladin's dealing with. It kind of makes sense in The Way of Kings as just like, oh, this is referencing what I'm going through right now. Right. Because it's the story about a ship that sails to an kind of idyllic, perfect island um, where everything seems to be wonderful and, and happy and all the people are lovely. But any time that a person makes any type of mistake, no matter how small, they are killed by the rest of the community in, in a very like harsh punishment. Yeah. And the explorer, Darithil is going to be questioning this and they're like, oh, well, the king doesn't tolerate any type of... Imperfection. Imperfection. Yeah, and that's what they say every time he asks. And so finally he's like, okay, who is this king that is like so, you know, cruel towards his people and has this very intolerant view? And so he goes up to this tower where like no one has been in years. Everyone's like, I don't know, I don't know. I've never seen the king, but like that's what he said. So he goes up to the tower to see the king and turns out the king is dead like has been dead for years and years and years it's just this skeleton basically Mm -hmm. up in the tower and he comes down and he shows them this is the king that you've been following and then they realize that all the horrors that they've committed all the people that they've killed wasn't the responsibility of any king but was in fact their own fault their own choices and their own decisions and there's other things going on with that story and the story that Wit tells Kaladin in the wor- the second Stormlight Archive, Words yeah. of Radiance. And in both of these stories, we see that same sort of method of storytelling. Um, in this instance, he uses the smoke from his fire and sort of... I mean, it's hard to say if it is actually turning into shapes, like Kaladin's not sure, but he knows that when he's listening to the story, Kaladin starts to really like visualize everything that's going on and he feels like he can hear the sound of the ocean and see the ship and um, there's some kind of illusion magic going on there that we suspect could be light weaving, but who knows? Hoyt has a lot of secrets. Yes. (laughs) Light weaving kind of makes the most sense, uh, but it, it, it could be other magic systems as well. Or, even though I don't think this, it could just be, like, he's a good storyteller and, and Kaladin is visualizing, you know, what he yeah. wants to see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a combination. I think Hoyt is a really great storyteller. Because yeah. the second story that he tells Kaladin is all about Fleet. Fleet, the man who ran until he died, until... He gave uh, gave his all. And once again, applying to the moment that Kaladin is in. Yeah, very poignant. Yeah, Words of Radiance. 
um, but also hinting at other things as well. You know, how many of the the like the shard honor could could be kind of mm. said to experience a similar thing. Like yeah, keep definitely. fighting, keep pushing until eventually until, yeah, he shatters, defeated. Yeah. yeah. So Hoyd's a storyteller. He he has some magic and one of the things that he says to Dalinar when asked about his name, because Dalinar knows him only as wit. Hoyd says this to Dalinar in Way of Kings. I've abandoned my real name, but when next we meet, I'll think of a clever one for you to call me. Until then, wit will suffice. Or, if you must, you may call me Hoyd. So that's where we kind of get the confirmation that wit is Hoyd, and it's really the first time in the Stormlight, or in the All Cosmere, that we are very clearly given that connection. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that we also find out that neither one of those is his real name. Yes. Right? So, like, I feel like we think of Hoyd as, like, he puts on all these disguises, but underneath them all, he's Hoyd. And then we find out, like, no, there's another level. He abandoned his real name. Hoyd is not even his actual name. So tell us about that conversation that he has with Kaladin. Oh, yeah. About his real name. Yeah, that conversation is... Do you want to play it out? Yeah, absolutely. Because, honestly, that's, like, the most we ever hear about him and his origin. So do you want to be Kaladin? I'll be Hoyd. Sure, that sounds great. Okay, cool. So Kaladin is having a conversation with Hoyd. He asks Hoyd what his name is. Yeah. Hoyd says, I've many. I began life as a thought, a concept, words on a page. That was another thing I stole, myself. Another time I was named for a rock, a beautiful one, and one that became completely worthless for my wearing it. Well, what do men call you now? Many a thing, and some of them polite. Almost all are true, unfortunately. You, however, may call me Hoyd. Your name? No. The name of someone I should have loved. Once again, this is a thing I stole. It's something we thieves do. So, Hoyd has just given us piece so much information. Let's just take it, like, one by <laughs> one. Because, uh, honestly, I feel the most significant part of that is the very first line. Could you repeat it once more about how he began life? Yeah. I began life as a thought, a concept, words on a page. And then he says, that's another thing I stole myself. Yeah. So I think this is meta. I, I yes! think it's super oh my gosh. meta. Which seems like, I don't know, on some level, I feel like adding that meta layer is just adding like too much to something Can't that's already it, so complicated. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that this is a a meta hint to, so we know that Hoyd was first played with by Brandon as a character in his master's thesis, Dragonsteel Prime, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the start of the Cosmere in in many respects, but it's it's not. So Hoyd is like literally meta, the oldest character in the Cosmere. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the second oldest character, because the oldest character, I believe, is also from Dragonsteel Prime, who's just a little bit more significant or older than Hoyd. Uh, we'll talk about that another day, but Dragonsteel might give you a hint to what that character is. The idea of Brandon being a new author, writing in college or, or in his, his post-bachelor uh, degree work and trying to come up with characters... You know, think about 
what that's like for people. Maybe you've you tried writing before, maybe you haven't, but often what I think many people and many authors experience is that they write a character that is very boring, very flat, <laughs> very two-dimensional, uh, stereotypical, cliche, whatever. It's just, it's not a real character. It's it's nothing. It's a thought. It's a concept. You want it to be more. Right. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like buried. a paradigm or an archetype of a character, right? They're not like a fully fleshed out human. Exactly. And then what I imagine is that Brandon may have had this experience of writing this character of Hoyd and it being very two dimensional. And then all of a sudden in Brandon's brain, it feels like everything just starts to pile into place. Yeah, and I think and there's Hoyt that starts to come alive sort of as a character. mystical thing of inspiration. Yes. Right? This like sort of idea of creativity that we don't really know where it comes from. And suddenly characters seem to take on a life of their own. They seem to live outside of what you are determining for them. And all of a sudden this character in your head is like doing things that you're like, wait, what? Like, I didn't plan that. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting. And then it goes into the next part of his statement where he says, Another time I was named for a rock, a beautiful one, and one that became completely worthless for my wearing it. I'm not 100% certain, and I don't think that we've had any type of confirmation word of Brandon style, but to be named after a rock sounds a little bit like how we name people vessels after the shard that they carry i think we actually do have confirmation that hoyd was not a shard i agree that he was not a shard but what if he picked one up temporarily maybe oh, after... you think he's a splinter yes because or if sliver, you... sorry, a sliver. Uh, sliver a sliver of infinity yes because one, think about his his overall kind of mission in different spots. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't think so. That just doesn't seem like Hoyt to me. I feel like he is more, he wants to kind of be on the outside so that he can like manage everything. Like I feel like taking up the shard to him would be too, getting too involved. I agree. I don't, but, and that's why I don't think it's a permanent stasis. I don't believe he is a shard uh, Yeah, currently. well, yeah. But maybe in the, the distant past or... In a moment of destruction of uh, dominion or oh devotion, devotion, he he picked up one of those um, shards temporarily. Maybe I, I mean I really don't know. Possible. Yeah, I just the idea of being named after a rock is kind of similar because we know we know these shards are picked up. But then he says it becomes worthless for his wearing it. And it, like, I don't, that doesn't fit to me because I, even if he picks it up and lets it go, it's not, it doesn't become worthless. You know what I mean? Or like if it was in the destruction of devotion and dominion, they would have already been destroyed, yeah. quote unquote, worthless before he picked it up. Again, so. just something I'm throwing out. You for guys sure, for sure. welcome to like disagree or talk to me on the Reddit. Theory, theory. Yeah. yeah. Cosmere Convo on Twitter uh, or on the Reddit. We got a Facebook page. Like we're just tossing things out. I... Theory time is a great time. <laughs> now, what about back in uh, Warbreaker about the the method of storytelling that he talks about with Light Song? Oh, yeah. And 
I think it's Siri who is like, wow, you're such a great storyteller. Like, where did you learn that? And he says, I learned it many, many years ago from a man who didn't know who he was, your majesty. It was a distant place where two lands meet and gods have died. Exactly. Oh, man, like, where is that? Yeah, so he learned storytelling where two lands meet and gods have died. Now, that could be his home, and we know his Yeah, home. I would assume it would be Yolen, mm-hmm. which, it, you know, gods have died. That's where Adonalsium was shattered. Yes. So I could see that absolutely being, um, you know, his home planet. That's where he learned storytelling. Maybe that's what he was uh, originally, some type of storyteller, some type of author. It's definitely continuing to hint you know a single line in warbreaker continually hinting at the scope of hoyd's experience and knowledge yeah let's talk about some of that um kind of experience and and knowledge uh of hoyd and, and his history and also his powers yeah absolutely i mean we've already talked about a few of the special skills that he has um, in his storytelling, but we also know that he has the ability to change his appearance um, and adopt those um, disguises that we see him in. Um, That being said, a lot of times he is described similarly anyway. He is described to have like a hawk-like nose, often an arrow-like face, and to be tall and thin. Um, I know anytime anyone's described as having a, like a hawk like nose, I'm always like, Hoid, Hoid, is that you? A it, lot of times it's not, but sometimes it is. <laughs> it, it often, that, that uh, phrase hawk like is often associated with Hoid. So if you're reading that and you see some, somebody with a hawk like face, tall, thin, maybe carrying a thin blade. And often wearing black too. Black, He's in yes. black a lot. Yes. And, and sometimes when he's not a beggar, sharply dressed in black. Yeah. Uh, stylish, but not, like, trying too hard. You yeah. Know? Just super cool. <laughs> That's Hoid. Um, but we know that he can change his appearance. So, like, a lot of times as the beggar, he appears as, you know, an older person with white hair, um, things like that. He has some type of light-weaving-like ability that we've seen through the smoke and the manipulation of colors. Um, even the the sound that he, he plays with the flute he eventually gives to Kaladin Kaladin describes that the way that the sound is being played as also creating the story. Like he can. Oh yeah. Like he's like manipulating like the story with the flute. Yes. That's really. Yes. And so like when he's talking about fleet running faster and faster, he picks up the speed of the flute and, and Kaladin like he can see it visually, but he can also hear like the steps and the pounding and the, the breathing heavily and like everything is kind of um, being experienced in multiple ways. Yeah, so maybe there's more going on. It could be that Hoyt is using light weaving and some other Mm -hmm. skill that we haven't seen yet, like at the same time. Yes, because we we do know that he has uh, quite a bit of breaths, Um, at least uh, breaths, the type of investiture from Nalthus, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So on in the book Warbreaker, investiture takes the form of breaths, each person generally being born with one. And you can have that breath uh, or you can give up that breath voluntarily. And then people 
with more breaths have more magical abilities. Yeah, so we know that Hoyt at least has the second heightening because he says that he has perfect pitch, mm-hmm. um, and that is the second heightening on Nalthus. So we know that at least he has that much breath. He could have way more than that and have more abilities. We also know that he is the most experienced or certainly one of the most experienced world hoppers. Yeah, for sure. That kind of comes just by default. He's on every planet. He is everywhere. And he seems to be able to do it very quickly. Yes. One and of the easily. things that Brandon actually said is that Hoyt has a power of time dilation and has moved forward through time without living through all of the intermediate years. Yeah. So Hoyd, uh, in some type of way, it could be alimentically, it could be um, another type of magic that we are not aware of, but Hoyd has the ability to kind of rapidly go through time. There was that Adam Sandler movie called Click where he could fast forward through the boring Oh, yeah, life. yeah. And That's basically what Hoyd has done. So he's, you know, been around for whatever, 2,000 years. Yeah. But he hasn't actually lived through all 2,000 because he just will jump ahead. Exactly. To the next exciting thing. And along that line of alimantic ability, we know that Hoyd is a misborn or at least has the potential to be a full Mistborn. Right, because, because we know he stole the Beat of Lurizium. Yes. We do not have confirmation if he swallowed it. Which, he may just be holding on to it for some unknown reason, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But we do know, I mean, he at least has some alimantic powers, I think, because we see him on several occasions um, drinking from a flask yes. the same way a Mistborn does. Shallan and Words of Radiance watches him pour some powder into yes. his drink. So I think he at least has yeah. a few alimantic powers. And Before he, at he least, picked up the Yeah, beans. and he at least has the potential to be a Mistborn. Yes. And I think that my theory right now is that he somehow got alimantic abilities without the beat of the race. Yeah, definitely. And that he um, has not become a full Mistborn yet. It could be used as a bargaining chip in some type of, uh, you know, True. back and forth between the higher powers. Yeah, that's what I'm inclined to believe also. Because remember, I think we might have already said this, but Lorazium is one of the god metals. So it's a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of a shard. So that could be significant for other reasons outside of Alamancy. We also know that Hoyd has the ability to heal himself. He has the ability to heal himself to a degree that very few other characters that we've seen have. He can uh, repair or regenerate severed body parts. So he gets an arm chopped off. He can regrow that entirely. He obviously is very, very old, but this healing power, to me, hints at fewer chemical ability, which would be a gold mine, much like Wayne in Mistborn Era 2. Brandon has actually said that if Hoyd's head was severed, he would be able to grow it back. Do you, so he has, this like, is always my question really like, intense, like, regenerative yeah, powers. Is, this is always my question for, like, Wolverine or, or Hoyd-like characters. Do they regrow the head from the shoulders up or do they regrow a body 
from the head down. What? Like, is the head the important thing? Or his body would regrow a head? Or would his head regrow a body? Probably both. So there would be two hoids. Oh, I see what you're saying. Ew, weird! (laughs) I feel like it would be whatever is the largest piece (laughs) would regrow. You would think so. And the other part would just, like, wither wither away. away. Sure, sure. Oh, God. (laughs) But he also, you know, a head is important. It's got his brain and stuff. So, like, maybe that is the thing that I don't... Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Super weird. So we know that his his powers of regeneration are significant in the physical realm, but they're also significant in the spirit realm and in cognitive realm, we assume as well. The spirit web, which we talked about last week in the romantic theory episode, hugely significant. Everybody has a spirit web. Everything has a spirit web. All the spirit webs are connected. And things like shard blades, in large part affect the spirit web yeah well i think most types of investiture somehow alter your spirit web yes so like if you are um a mistborn the reason you're a mistborn is because you have yeah it's kind of like dna right so you have that specific code in your spirit web web to make you a mistborn it's also in my opinion why lopin is able to regrow his arm, but Kaladin cannot heal the brands on his forehead. Lopin gets to be Squire Windrunner because of Kaladin. In Lopin's spirit web, he has a full arm. And so when he gets this power, he regrows his arm because it's part of his spirit web. But Kaladin has changed his spirit web because of the torture mm. and the abuse and the physicality. That's very to interesting. Say, to say, part of my spirit web is this brand. I am dangerous. I'm right. a slave. Like, this is part of my identity. And that's why he can't heal uh, his his scars on his head, even though he has incredible regenerative powers through Oh, that's really great. I actually never thought of that. I was just reading that part in Words of Radiance. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, good point. Why can't he heal his brands? Because I think it's part of his spirit. Yeah, that's an awesome call. Yeah. Good catch. Thank you. Idea with uh, Hoyd that I find most interesting is actually what he says about killing or hurting other people. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Basically, there's a few points throughout the stories um, where he subtly references being ineffectual at violence or somehow being either not disposed to harm or unable to harm other people in any significant kind of way. Mm -hmm. Now, he says this a bunch of times throughout Mm -hmm. the different uh, series. He, He says that he cannot easily kill people, easily kill hinting that he can kill him, but it's just not easy, uh, because of certain things in his past. And I feel like this is so interesting because it kind of speaks toward that meta thing mm-hmm. that we were talking to talking uh, about earlier, where if his character was specifically written to be nonviolent or non-harming, you know, harming, there's only, he only has so much flexibility within that, right? Because that is how he is defined at his origin and he can't violate that but he also knows that that restriction is there because he knows that he is a character in a book yes 
Oh my god. So he probably sort of has his ways around it, but as he says, it's not easy for him because it's literally not a part of his makeup. Rock says that he cannot hurt anybody because it's forbidden by other gods. So Yeah, and Rock shards... sees him, the Horn Eaters see him as like a trickster god. Yes. That's who they interpret Hoyd as because they see him like coming and going from other worlds through a shard pool. A Loki type character from Norse mythology and now the Marvel universe. But like, yeah, yeah the trickster god. Absolutely. Um, so that's important. The Horn Eaters are more cosmically aware uh, than other people on Rashar. Not everybody on Rashar, but uh, generally they're... Um, Ethnicity is more Yeah, more than the Alephi, for sure. Absolutely. And so calling Hoyd the trickster god is, in my mind, really significant because it hints at the fact that he is of the same place and maybe time as the other vessels, but is also not at their level. Once again, the Imperial Fool character... He's not oh my gosh. a prince. He's the cosmic imperial fool. <laughs> exactly. And he goes uh, further. Hoyd goes further. He tells a young Shalon, you needn't fear me. I'm terribly ineffective at hurting people. I blame my upbringing. So part of that's a joke, obviously. Yes. But it just is another, you know, we just hear him say this over and over again. Like, I'm not good at hurting people. I can't do this. Until he really wants to, because Kelsier gets the shit kicked out of him by Hoyd. Sorry, censors on iTunes. (laughs) But he does. And then Hoyd immediately kind of feels bad about it and backs away and is like, I'm not going to hurt you permanently, but I'm happy to beat the shit out of your cognitive self. Yeah, he's like, look, I had to do what I had to do. I can't really hurt you, but like, please don't be a jerk, dude. Like, don't don't make me hurt you. And I think it's also a word of Brandon that... uh, (laughs) He has said that of all his characters, Kelsier is the one that most deserves to be punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. So I think it, some of this is just Hoyd plain brain. I think he also said Kelsier would be like, it, like in a there's a thread about like a brawl between all of Brandon's characters, like who would win in a in a brawl, and he was like, well, maybe Kelsier because Kelsier would fight dirty, but like everyone would want to beat him up. Exactly. <laughs> Now, one of the connections that I have made between this trait of Hoyd is back to the Mistborn Era 2 character, Wayne. So we have Wax as the star, but, you know, he's he's the star with his, his best friend, Wayne. And Wayne is a character that does not use guns, even though they're in, like, a Wild West uh, type of yeah. setting. Yeah. He uses um, kind of sticks or, or like a staff that he can split in half. Um, and his reason for avoiding guns and avoiding killing people is played out in book three in a super emotional way. And I, I read book three before uh, we started yeah. this podcast. And... Wayne meets Wax after Wayne kills a man uh, by by shooting him. And he orphans a young, the young daughter of this man. And in 
Bands of Mourning, Wayne goes to visit this young girl, apparently something that he does yearly or maybe monthly, uh, but he goes to visit her. And I think he, it's like a whole family, actually. There's like a few. I, I think she's at like a, a, like no, a university. No, it's like a school. Yeah, yeah. I think. So I, I don't necessarily think that they're all family oh, members. I thought there was like a couple sisters, but I could be wrong. So there's at least one girl that he, he yeah. directly interacts with and, and he apologizes and she makes him say what he did like makes Wayne repeat his crime this murder of her father and Wayne tries to um, give her a bunch of money it's one of the times where he gets incredibly drunk but does not use his gold mine to heal the intoxication he literally can't do this he can't bring himself to do this without um, being incredibly intoxicated. And then he goes throughout the rest of his um, his story and his life after killing this one man as being like the sidekick to Wax with this one rule of I can't kill anybody. Um, it, it hurts me too much. It, it damages my, my spirit web. He doesn't say it that way, but like that's what's going on. Like, yeah. It's against his, his character's persona after that one death. So maybe something happened like that to Hoyd. Either he oh, voluntarily chose, like Wayne, to not kill anyone anymore because it's against his spirit web, or he was forced into kind of an agreement with the shards not uh-huh. to hurt anyone because his power is so great or potentially can be so great. Yeah. Lots of possibilities. Do you want to talk about the world singers? I mean, we talked about it a little bit. So Hoyd is a, a world singer on Roshar. And we know that because we meet his apprentice, uh, Sigzel, yes. who is a part of Bridge Four. Um, Bridge Four forever. <laughs> so... You know, the bridge floor, the men are all learning about each other's past. And Sigzel says that he is a world singer. He tells the stories of other lands and he lost his master. Later, when Kaladin meets Hoyd, Hoyd's like, hey, tell my apprentice I say hi. And like, sorry, I couldn't save him. And now he's bridge floor. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we like have absolute con- confirmation that those two go together. I also think that Sigzel is a world hopper. I don't think he's originally from Rashar because he's described as having like a weird, weird accent yeah. and like he just behaves much differently than people from that world. It does seem to be strange though that he would be so trapped. I don't think he can travel without Hoyd. That's totally possible yeah. that he's he is like literally an apprentice. An apprentice, yeah. And doesn't have the ability. Oh, that's actually really sad. He's like stuck on this world that's not his own, and his master like abandoned him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but what did what did Sigzil actually say? Yeah, the way he describes the world singers, he says, "I am not a foolish jester or storyteller. I do not give tales. I spread knowledge of cultures, peoples, thoughts, and dreams." I bring peace through understanding. It is the holy charge of my order received from the heralds themselves. So connecting himself to the heralds, which are definitely Risharian, that leads me to believe that he is Risharian himself. But I do understand that description of being kind of out of place, weird accent, could be a world hopper as well. Well, but I think also 
Wouldn't you think that most world hoppers probably know how to sort of blend in? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, he may be thinking it's more of a divine, you know, a divine gift. I'm not saying that he's never world hopped. I'm saying that he might have, he might be Rasharian and then Hoyd comes down and says, you're my new apprentice. Let's go check out the Cosmere. Yeah, totally true. comes back to Rashar. Yeah, true. Now, one of the things that I loved most and reading it the first time, it was just a powerhouse moment for me is in a conversation between Hoyd and Dalinar. In this conversation, Dalinar is kind of getting more friendly with Hoyd, and Hoyd has given him some heads up about, you know, watch out for Sadius, uh, you know, keep your keep your eyes peeled, don't let your guard down type of thing, like, people are after you right now. Um, and I believe that's in regards to the visions going public yeah. in that story. Yeah. Dalinar is starting to trust Hoyd a little bit, and he's kind of expressing this trust expressing this hey man you He's and like, i thanks i appreciate it yeah you yeah. and i are on the same team right <laughs> and then hoyd says this line and it's probably my favorite line from hoyd in any of the books um i i mean i love the stories that he tells the wander sale and fleet but this kind of line to me is the essence of hoyd hoyd says to dalinar quote i am but a man dalinar so much as I wish it were not true at times. I am no radiant, and while I am your friend, please understand that our goals do not completely align. You must not trust yourself with me. If I have to watch this world crumble and burn to get what I need, I will do so. With tears, yes, but I would let it happen. Oh, man. And I remember reading that for the first time and being, like, so hurt because I had come to think of Hoyt as this, like, you know, benevolent character sort of traveling the Cosmere, helping out my friend characters. And then he says that, and I was like, oh, my God. What? Why? I mean, watch the world burn is <laughs> so strong. Way stronger than just, like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't trust me. I got other things to do. Right, and even stronger than, like, our goals do not completely align. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. But he is literally like, I will destroy your entire world. If it helps me get what I need. Yeah. Not, like, it, it might be sad. I might So intense. But I don't care. Yeah. Like, I need this thing to happen. We don't know what that thing is. And but... it also, yeah, it tells you a lot about the scale yes. of what Hoyt is doing. He doesn't it's care gigantic. about these little games. Like, yeah. he and all the, the shards in, in one way or another are playing these kind of subtle games that looks like to us, but they're playing on a big scale. Big, yeah. And the idea that Hoyt would literally watch Rashar burn, or may... I mean, we don't we don't know this, but he may be playing up certain aspects of destruction as well. Like we don't know what's going on. Oathbringer is not out yet, um, so we don't have any kind of secret knowledge about how Hoyt is interacting with the Voidbringers or anything like that. And we don't know if he would be. Um, I doubt it. Who? But like, but we don't who knows? know. We don't know what his goals are. Yeah, with as much power as he has. With as much as he knows, like, he could literally be doing anything. And I think this is a really good segue into talking about the letters that are in the epigraphs of uh, Way of Kings. I completely agree because the... It speaks a lot to Hoyd's motive. The first letter... There there are two letters that we see. um, And the first one, we are 
pretty sure is written by Hoyt. All, all indications seem to point to Hoyt. And then it seems to be that the second letter is a reply yep. letter to Hoyt. Yeah. So the question remains in letter one, who is Hoyt writing to? And in letter two, who is the author? But Hoyt seems to be involved in both of these letters. Yeah. How do you want to tackle this? Do you just want to read the letter itself or kind of take it piece by piece? I think we should kind of go piece by piece because they're pretty long. I don't know if anyone wants to listen to us talk for that long. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are... There are very um, just important parts, though. So I feel like we are going to end up quoting quite a quite bit. Quite a bit, for sure. Letter, but we'll, we'll take it piece by piece. Because that's kind of the point. These letters are another thing that are just full of information. But they're spread out. They are given yeah. as chapter intros. Epigraphs. In yeah, epigraphs to uh, part two of The Way of Kings and then part four of Words of Radiance. Yeah, so you read them piece by piece and then when you see them all together as one letter, you're like, oh, dang! Exactly. So let's start with letter one, which we believe is written by Hoyd, makes its first appearance as an epigraph in part two of The Way of Kings. Yes. It begins saying, written by Hoyd, Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well. Though, as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you are probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. (laughs) Much as your perpetual health, I have come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that we gain from that is the very prevalent theory that the recipient of the letter is... A dragon. An immortal dragon yes. from Dragonsteel <laughs> Prime. Now, that is currently, we know for a fact, word of Brandon, that it is a dragon. What dragon, we do not know. Yeah, suspected to be Frost, but... Yes, just and, and just suspected. to help people, because I haven't even read these, there are four copies <clears throat> of Brandon Sanderson's master's thesis which is entitled dragon steel prime i think that's one of the things though that brandon has kind of said please don't, don't read, read it yeah. because i'm probably going to change a bunch of things and yeah. like just please don't but so i haven't i've respected the word of yes brandon. you also can't read it um you without going to brigham young university which is where brandon went and where he still teaches they are not digitally available they are available to people who check them out uh byu library so I don't know too much about the book. I haven't read it. You haven't read it. But we know that one of the characters in that there book dragons. is the dragon Frost, who... Who I believe is also... There's also another like very early um, thing that I think is actually available digitally called The Liar of Parton, Par- yes. Partonel, Partonel. I don't know. Yeah. But that's another one that he's like, eh, please don't read it. I'm yeah. probably going to change a bunch of stuff. Like, that's old. So we're pretty sure that the... We think it's a dragon. We think it's a dragon. It might be Frost. Let's go next. This next sentence, let me assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. So this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. We know he has a bead of lorazium. It could, that could be what he's referencing as the element, Mm -hmm. Um, in which case he says it's safe, which would mean he hadn't uh, Ingested. ingested it yet. 
Right. But we don't know that for sure. Yeah. But, but it's just a little hint. He does say, I protect it like my own skin, which might hint that he has ingested it and he's protecting it as his body. <laughs> like the same way I would keep my body alive. I will yeah. keep this bead. Or what if he turned it into like a hemallergic spike? And put it inside himself? Yeah. What would that even do? Would that give you all Mistborn powers? If Maybe, but then he would be able to spike? take it out if he wanted to. And like, yeah, trade it or use it as uh, leverage or something. That could be it. Right? We're developing theories Ooh. right now. We uh, <laughs> Talk to us on the social internet webs. Yep, and tell us thing. what you think. Exactly. Hoyd <clears throat> says, you do not agree with my quest. I understand that. So much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely. Yeah, and he goes on to uh, talk about the vessels. He says, Ati was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. When he picked up the shard ruin. Exactly. Uh, Raisa, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Odium. Exactly. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile. Dragon! (laughs) And tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm, because I assure you, Raisa will not be similarly inhibited. You need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to Cell to see proof of what I say. Now, that last line is referring to the destruction of Demotion and Dominion on the planet Cell. Yeah. So... Or this uh, letter written by Hoyd to a dragon, old reptile, is pointing out that the even the nicest person who picks up the shard ruin will become ruinous. Like the the effect is powerful. What happens when a truly evil, crafty, cunning, and motivated person picks up odium? Yeah, exactly. And so this is sort of the crux of. Well, it speaks to that larger playing field as we were talking about. So we have Hoyd, someone who is obviously very um, invested and uh, participatory in the events of the Cosmere. We see him everywhere. We see him doing things, pushing pieces in specific ways. And then there is another faction we know that's out there who has this policy of non-intervention. That's just like, hey, man, just let it play out. Now, the next paragraph that we see from Hoyd in this letter says, You have accused me of perpetrating my grudge against Raisa and Bavadin. Now, Bavadin is the vessel autonomy. Oh, do we know that for sure? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, Bavadin is the original. Uh, the original. We don't know. Okay, if he's still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the original vessel of autonomy on the planet Taldane, book White Sand. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Is uh, Bavadin. Now, there is also heavy speculation that the Scadrial god. Oh, yeah, Trell. Trell. Is autonomy. Is, is autonomy. And that in. Well, first, I guess, introduced by Zaz. Yeah. Yeah. Zazed himself um, in Mistborn Era 1, but then really started to be explored in Mistborn Era 2, we have the possibility that autonomy is attacking um, Scadrial 
Yeah, it certainly seems like it when you get to Mistborn Era 2. And Hoyd, in this letter, specifically calls out both odium and autonomy as someone that he has a grudge against. So it's possible that odium actually has some support, some help from autonomy. Yeah, sure. That he's building up uh, an army of shards and then, you know, other shards. They're going to try to destroy... The yeah. other shards and, like, rule the cosmere. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or, and I don't know how that plays out, but Hoyd links both autonomy and rays in this letter. Yeah. Um, and then this next part will kind of bring us bring us home here. Mm-hmm. I am being chased. Your friends of the 17th shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. <laughs> so this harkens back to that uh, interlude that we see with Ishik in the Pure Lake um, meeting with people, very, very strange people for Roshar who are world hoppers. World hoppers. And, we'll talk and about I think that. this is the first time that we hear the phrase the 17th shard. Yes. Yeah. So as we know, there are 16 shards of uh, Adonalsium. The 17th shard is our group of world hoppers. Absolutely. And we'll look at them in depth in our next episode. Yeah. Now, the very end of the first letter written by Hoyd, Hoyd says this. For I have never been dedicated to a more important purpose, and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the result of our war here. I ask again, support me. Do not stand aside and let disaster consume more lives. I've never begged you for something before, old friend. I do so now. There is so much going on uh, in this letter. And one of the most exciting things about Oathbringer, to me, is that we get more of this Cosmere information uh, given to us kind of in epigraph form or just in straight chapters with wit. Yeah, absolutely. We go to the response letter. The response letter. Let's do it. Okay. Starts out... I'll address this letter to my old friend, as I have no idea what name you're currently using. We just talked about all of Hoyd's names. (laughs) Have you given up the gemstone now that it is dead? Boom. Right there. I'm just making this connection myself. Yeah, yeah, go. Hoyd said that he was named after the rock. I guessed that it was a shard. The response, who we believe might be Frost the Dragon says, have you given up the gemstone now that it is Have dead? you given up on the gemstone? On the gemstone. Yeah, now that like it he is has dead. like lost faith in it or something? In devotion? Uh, I don't know. I have no so idea So interesting. Either. We don't know. What's the gemstone? If you have ideas, tell us. Please tell us. Because I'm also thinking, I just read the part in Words of Radiance where we see that Mraze mm-hmm. has this like pink crystal that seems to be very like flaky like it's gonna fall apart so that could be this gemstone that is dead Mm -hmm. i don't know who knows and there is a physical realm existence of the shards i mean it is a physical thing true true yeah absolutely it, it could be the physical manifestation of a shard shards dead so now the physical part is kind of deteriorating also Oh, I like that theory. Yeah. Okay, and then we're going to, yeah, we can continue talking about Hoyd's name. And do you no longer hide behind the name of your old master? I am told that in your current incarnation, you've taken a name that references what you presume to be one of your virtues. Wit. 
<laughs> this is, I suspect, a little like a skunk naming itself for its stench. So I think this whole first paragraph serves to emphasize that it is, in fact, being written to Hoyd, yes. right? Like, there's no really doubting that after that first paragraph. Yes. And I still do name you a friend for all that you weary me. Yes, I'm disappointed, perpetually, as you put it. Is not the destruction we have wrought enough? Now, this is what I was hinting at earlier as well. Hoyd may have had some moment in the past where he caused great destruction. It's entirely possible that Hoyd was in some way responsible for opening up uh, devotion and dominion to destruction and maybe death that rolled oh, off of that. I thought they were talking about even before that. It's like totally I took this too. as the fact that they shattered on an Alzheimer in the first place. I was like, look what happened. That is absolutely a, a fair reading as well. It's just trying. I'm trying to get at this idea of like what happened to Hoyd in his past, like Wayne. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's all the connections that I, I'm looking for. But I agree. It could have just been, hey, we did this stupid thing back in the day when we literally destroyed God. That was yeah, not and I say that just because he uses we have wrought, not yes. just Hoyt has wrought. Yes. Yeah. The author of the second letter continues, The world you now tread bear the touch and design of Adenalsium. Our interference so far has brought nothing but pain. My path has been chosen very deliberately. Yes, I agree with everything you have said about Reza, including the severe danger he presents. However, it seems to me that all things have been set up for a purpose. And if we, as infants, stumble through the workshop, we risk exacerbating, not preventing, a problem. Such a harmony uh, perspective. And that is originally, I thought, that Hoyd was writing to Harmony and oh. asking him for assistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of because lines of like that, this. Yeah. It, it's very much a, a Harmony response. Well, I mean, I guess you would assume that on the sort of cosmic scale, Harmony would be a part of that non-interventionist faction. Yes. Right. Very good. The Yes, the non-interventionist faction. I like that idea because we obviously have the um, evil faction that led by Odium. Uh, do we have... But then, yeah, the opposition, you have... Hoyd. Hoyd and probably other yeah. participants we with can, him, we as well as this person he is writing to. Yes. Ooh, okay, this Now next read part, the next part. Yeah, it's so significant. Reza is captive. He cannot leave the system he now inhibits. So that's a really important piece of information to know. We know that Odium is not going to be running around destroying other shards because he has to stay on Rashar for whatever, or in the Rasharan system anyway. Um, Which then leads, or lends a little bit of credit to my theory that Autonomy is now acting... Oh, as like his arm outside of the Rasharan system? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Skadril, we know is being attacked by something. Yeah. I think the assumption right now is that it is Autonomy um, and that's manifesting as the the god Trell on the planet. But I think it's because Odium is in his weakened state after shattering honor. He's obviously rebuilding and close to full strength again. But he's trapped. He's trapped in the Rasharian system. Not on Rashar, but on what planet? Uh, Braze. Braze, that's yeah, right. Yeah, otherwise known as Damnation. 
Um, and then we also go on to find out in this letter that millennia have passed without Risa taking the life of another of the 16. Which most likely refers to Honor as the last one that he killed. We yeah. Do we believe that's the order? Devotion, I think so. Dominion, uh, Honor? Yes. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Devotion and Dominion were definitely before Honor. Um, and then, let's see. We find out a little bit more about Odium. The, le- the um, writer of the letter says... Odium bears the weight of God's own divine hatred, separated from the virtues that gave it context. He is what we made him to be, old friend, and that's what he unfortunately wished to become. I suspect that he is more a force than an individual now, despite your insistence on to the contrary. That force is contained and an equilibrium reached. Again, this is why I was so... Um insistent early on that this that it was harmony it was harmony this idea of equilibrium is very harmonious um, <laughs> he continues the the author of the letter continues says quote you however have never been a force for equilibrium you tow chaos behind you like a corpse dragged by one leg through the snow please hearken to my plea leave that place and join me in my oath of non-intervention the cosmere itself may depend upon our restraint. So obviously, this is the line, to me, that points away from harmony and to something else. Now, mm. I believe because of words of Brandon, we know that it's dragon. Yeah, we so know for the, sure. Yeah. We know the connections. But I'm just saying, like, this last line, an oath of non-intervention doesn't strike me as something that harmony would be a part of. It's not that Harmony right, 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 for sure. doesn't want to intervene. It's that um, he he wants the balance to exist between yeah, the two forces absolutely. he holds. I mean, they have very similar perspectives. Sure. And this author of the second letter is really, really devoted to this idea that restraint is what is necessary. And that the more that people like Hoyd get involved, the worse things become. Yeah, I mean, and he, I think he has some good points of like, hey, this is the best thing we can hope for. At least now we know that Odium will only be in this one system. The rest of us are safe. Like, that's the best we can hope for. Mm -hmm. But I think we get more information after this letter is written, right? Like with this idea that possibly autonomy is working with Odium. Hoyd has... What I think is kind of a bigger perspective of like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, we can't just sit back. It's not going to stay perfect forever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no way. We have to take action because there's more going on. We can't just expect Odium to sit by passively and be like, oh, dang, guess I'm trapped here. <laughs> now, I want to leave us. This has been a fantastic episode. So much information about Hoyt and the Cosmere. Yeah. I want to leave us with a a quote that also is going to play in to our episode next week as well. That comes from Chris, who was our scholar. Chris, our Cosmere scholar. Yes, I love that little intro. Anytime we say Chris, I want that bit to play. I'm going to recut that out and it's just going to be Chris, our Cosmere scholar. In Mistborn's Secret History, Chris says to Kelsier, Once you step behind the curtain, and see the actors as the real people they are. It becomes harder to pretend the play is real. Hoyd 
is living that out. Hoyd knows that these are actors on a stage and he's playing the bigger game. Right. He's the puppet master in some respects. Absolutely. He's got that going on. Any thoughts you want to leave us with uh, about Hoyd or the greater cosmic? No, I think that's good. I think we really got in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, world singers, until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. to do personally thank two individuals who have given us the music that you've been listening to on the podcast recently. That piece you just heard as the outro was entitled At Wit's End, and it was created and composed by the dark-eyed musician. Cosmere fans, you can find her on Twitter and on YouTube at dark-eyed music 15 the intro song is entitled radiant and it is composed by david groovier you can find david on youtube and twitter at d g r u w i e r d groovier thank you both so much for allowing us to use the music in the podcast. We really appreciate it.